So let's read the first five verses of chapter 5 in light of what we studied from chapter 4 last week. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. You younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you, Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Since we do not have a perfect church, we need elders who will shepherd the flock. Oversee with eagerness, lead by example, look to Christ, and serve with humility. Peter begins by exhorting the elders to shepherd the flock. Therefore, I exhort you as elders among you, the elders among you, as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you. It's significant that Peter identifies himself with the elders as a fellow elder. Now, obviously, he was also an apostle, and he could have pulled rank on them, but he didn't. He simply exhorted them as a fellow elder who had personally witnessed the sufferings of Christ in Christ's life and in his own, and therefore understood what they were going through as they shared in the sufferings of Christ, the sufferings brought on because of their commitment to Christ. They, like he, had accepted the responsibility of serving as leaders in the church, and he knew the pressures they were under and the hardships they faced. He also knew one day they would share in the glories of Christ, and that promise enabled them to endure the sufferings that came from serving him. It's on the basis of that shared suffering and shared hope that he exhorts them to shepherd the flock of God among them. Now, I find it interesting and instructive that Peter uses all three words that are used in the New Testament to refer to leaders of a local church. He addresses them as elders. He exhorts them to be shepherds. And he refers to their work as overseers. The word for elder is presbyteros. It was used of the spiritual leaders of Israel, the members of the Sanhedrin, and the leaders of the local synagogues. It comes from the Hebrew, which means one with a full beard, and speaks of the wisdom and experience necessary to lead God's people. The word for shepherd is poimen. It's a word translated pastor. And the word for overseer is episkopos, from which we get the word bishop. 
all three terms, elder, pastor, and bishop, were used interchangeably in the New Testament to refer to the same group of leaders in a local church. It wasn't a hierarchical position statement. They were all the same. They were all leaders of equal import in the body of Christ. And Peter begins by exhorting the elders to shepherd, to pastor the flock of God among them. Now, obviously, the analogy that uh, they should shepherd the flock was one they understood. They lived in an agrarian society. It's kind of, of, of out of our understanding. But yet, we know what a shepherd does because we love the 23rd Psalm. In fact, I, I, I want us to, uh, to say that together. Our, the psalm this morning pointed out that David was a shepherd. And then he spoke of the Lord being the shepherd. And the 23rd psalm is probably the most loved psalm in all of Scripture. And uh, if we quote it together, we, of course, have to quote it in what? King James. There's no getting around that. So if you know it, say it with me. If you don't know it, you can read it with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a perfect picture of pastoring. And as God shepherds us, elders are to shepherd the church. In an article entitled, How to Be a Church Leader, that appeared years ago in the Christian Standard, rather than follow the, uh, the examples we see in industry of leadership that so often churches try to emulate, he put it this way. He said, a shepherd's job is to take care of the sheep with all that entails, feeding them, leading them to good, safe pasture, guiding them away from situations of danger, defending them from attack, and birthing lambs. That's a neat picture of pastoring. And that's what we've been called as leaders in the church to do. Peter exhorts the elders among us to shepherd the flock of God. And then he says, they are to oversee with eagerness. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. The first qualification of an elder is a desire for the work. Paul says, if a man aspires to the office of overseer, it's a fine work he desires to do. Peter says, 
An elder should exercise oversight with eagerness. He should want the job. He shouldn't feel compelled to serve as an elder. He shouldn't let someone try to talk him into it. He shouldn't do it just because someone has to do it. He should want to do it. He should be convinced that it's God's will for him to serve the church in this way. And he should be eager to do it. Now, there is a fine line between compelling someone to be an elder and encouraging them to do so. And sometimes I cross that line. But I try not to. It's so important that if you're going to lead and shepherd and oversee God's church, you have a heartfelt desire to do so. It's very, very important. A man should want to serve as an elder. He should be convinced that it's God's will for him to serve. He should be eager to do it. But this eagerness must come from the right motive. It must come from his desire to do the will of God, not from a desire for sordid gain. I love that phrase, sordid gain. Sordid gain is gain that is filthy, wretched, ignoble. Sordid gain in the ministry can be the prestige and power that comes with the office, or in some circumstances, it can be financial gain. There are some who get rich, very rich, in the ministry. Now, it's not wrong to make a living in the ministry, even a good living. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the Scripture says, You shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. In that context, I don't mind being called an ox. <laughs> That's for you, Rick. Okay. He wanted to make sure I had something funny in my sermon today. That's as good as it's going to get. <laughs> he went on to say, Paul did, If we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much that we should reap material things from you? And then he Stated explicitly, the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. So it's okay to pay your preacher, okay? But financial gain should never be the motive for ministry. Now, that's not an issue for elders who serve voluntarily and have other employment. But it can become an issue for those who make their living from the gospel, especially those who who get their income collectively from the congregation. Oh, this is another one I just thought of, Rick, just for you. The story is told of the preacher who, who was asked uh, you know, about the offerings and, and how does he decide who gets what. And he says, it's easy. So I collect all the money, I put it in a basket, I throw it up in the air, whatever God keeps is his, and what comes back down is mine. Oh. Why I went there, I have no idea. <laughs> Fortunately, Marilyn's in the nursery and Nikki's not here, so it worked. <laughs> yeah, you can tell. <laughs> oh, well. Anyway, financial gain is not to be the motive for serving. No one 
in leadership ministry, paid or unpaid, should let sordid gain be their motive for serving. They should serve with eagerness, but only in eagerness to respond to the call of God in their life. And they should lead by example. He says, not yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. You know, Peter has already warned us not to be troublesome meddlers in one another's affairs, not to stick our noses in where they don't belong. And that warning holds for elders the same as for all other members of the church. Elders are to shepherd, but they're not to micromanage the sheep under their care. And they're not to lord it over those allotted to their charge. Again, Peter did not pull rank on the elders and say, as an apostle, I'm going to tell you what to do. He appealed to them as a fellow elder. And for the most part, elders should not speak as elders. They should simply appeal to the flock as fellow sheep. Now, it's true there may be times when an elder must speak with the full authority that comes from the office, just as the apostles did on occasion. But most of the time, elders should simply lead by example. If they want the flock to read God's word, they should read it and share with enthusiasm what they are discovering. If they want the flock to pray, they should pray. If they want them to tithe, they should tithe. If they want them to evangelize, they should be sharing their faith. If they want them to have strong families, they should spend time with their children and their wives and not get so caught up in the work of the church they forget their primary responsibility in the home. You know, I think one of the greatest things the Apostle Paul ever said was follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. We call that modeling today. And that's the most effective way an elder can lead. And of course, that means the elder must always look to Christ. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. The writer of Hebrews said, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. That account will be given to the chief shepherd when he appears. You know, elders can never forget who it is they're working for. They're not working for themselves. They're not working for the people, or a segment of the congregation. They're not working for the preacher. They're working for the Lord. And they need to keep their eyes on Him. Christ is the one to whom they are accountable. He's the one to whom they must answer someday. Whatever is done should be done with the full realization that Christ knows what's going on and desires to be a part of the decision-making process. 
In fact, the often quoted statement found in Matthew 18.20, for where two or three have gathered together in my name, there I am in their midst, is not talking about worship. It's talking about decision making. When decisions are made in the church, the Lord's will should obviously be sought. Sometimes his will can be discovered by searching his word. Other times it must come through the consensus of godly men seeking his will in prayer. And that is how the elders of Chatham Christian Church seek God's will. If we can't find the specifics in God's word, we make it a matter of prayer and we seek consensus. We feel that if we are all on the same page when it comes to the Lordship of Christ, we'll all understand his will. That's how decisions are made here. God is involved. Christ is involved. He's invited to be a part, the most important part of every decision that is made. I think that's essential. Essential. The elders must look to Christ for the reward, not to the acclaim of men, not to gain the support of influential people in the church or the community, but to get the acclaim of Christ. Nothing, nothing should be done in the church simply because it's popular. It's not the church. The elders are to please. It's the Lord. They need to always remember that, and so does the church. And finally, we are to serve with humility. Peter expands here. He says, you younger men likewise be subject to your elders. And all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Those who are not elders are to be subject to their elders. They're to respect them and to honor their decisions. And all are to clothe themselves with humility. No one is to lord it over anyone else. And no one is to have the attitude, well, they can't tell me what to do. All are to be clothed with humility. And the word used for clothed is interesting. It actually means to tie on a garment. Peter is saying that we all need to tie on the apron of humility. Jesus himself set the example in this when he tied a towel around his waist and washed the disciples' feet. I had an interesting thought. (laughs) If someone asks you what they should wear to church, you you don't have to say, well, a coat, a tie, blue jeans, T-shirts, flip-flops, whatever. All you need to say is that they should clothe themselves with humility clothe themselves with humility. If we would all do that, life in the flock would be enjoyable for everyone. And the chief shepherd would be pleased with all his sheep. Now, before we close, I want to just 
say something here. You know, those of you who have been part of this church for a long time know that we preach straight through. And whatever we come to, we deal with. If we were to preach sermons on struggles in the church and admonishing those to respect their leaders in a, in a vacuum, people might say, what's going on? What's the problem? And I had one dear fellow come into the office this week, and he says, is everything okay? I said, yeah, 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 everything's fine. You know, God is, has blessed us right now, and there is, as far as I'm aware, a really sweet spirit in Chatham Christian Church. Over the years, we've had our ups and downs. We've had our conflicts like everybody else. But we've, we've been blessed. And right now, again, as far as I know, things are really good. And I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful for that. But it's important that we understand God's word here. Because things are not always going to be easy. Something's always going to come up somewhere along the line. And if we're prepared for it by knowing the warnings in God's word and the remedy to the problems that might come before we face them, we're ready. And I thank God that we have a body of men and we have a congregation who is committed to the lordship of Christ and to the authority of his word. And by his grace, we strive to be prepared. And in times of of great joy and peace and harmony, we just celebrate. When the struggles come, we're ready. God is good. He's blessed us in so many ways as a church. And I'm so thankful to be a part of Chatham Christian Church. And I thank you guys for allowing me that privilege. Very much so. We serve a great Lord. He's given us the privilege as leaders to shepherd his flock. But it's his flock. We all need to ask ourselves, have we surrendered to the shepherd, to his will? Are we doing what he wants us to do? Is his will for us and for our church and for our families, is that what's being done? I pray it is. I pray it is. And I pray that we will encourage each other to to discern that will and to long for the day when the good shepherd appears. And we share in the joy and the glory set before us. If you've not surrendered to his lordship, whether you're an elder, a teacher, a preacher, whatever, if there are things in your life that you've hung on to and said, I'm not sure I want to give that up, maybe you need to. Maybe you need to evaluate again your walk with the Lord. Maybe you need to to say is. Is the shepherd aware, and am I aware that he's aware of everything that's going on in my life? If not, surrender to his lordship. Allow the chief shepherd to shepherd you. And if it's his will, give you the power and the wisdom and the love to shepherd each other. Let's stand and surrender.